welcome to football. Bloody hell. On the show tonight, we've got former overtime manager and player, Steve Rutter. Former Yeovil central defender, Paul Thorpe. But I'm on as well. And finally, Paul Warren, manager of Derby County. Sit back and enjoy an hour of good old football banter. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Football. Bloody hell. And we've already had a bloody hell because poor old Steve Russ has got held up in Cardiff. So unfortunately, he's unable to join us. But at the last minute, our northern correspondent, Adam Davis, has joined us. Evening, Adam. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for coming in at the last minute. And of Pleasure. Course, we're joined by uh, Ricky Hyatt. All right, Rick? Yeah, not so bad, thank you. Jolly good. And Paul Thorpe. Hi, Paul. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, all right, old dog. Better than you, I think. So uh, that's all good. Right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So, um, what are we going to start with today? Well, I guess the obvious has got to be Oval Town. Um, a lot going on at the club at the moment, as uh, I'm sure you know, Paul, and Rick knows as well. I'm sure Adam probably is not totally au fait with what's going on because he's stuck up in York there. But um, yeah, I think first of all, I mean, apparently today is the day that the the final, final documents are signed and Matt Ugler and his and his SU Glovers become the official owners of the club, I think. Is that right, Paul? Do you, do you understand it that way? Yeah, that, supposedly today is the day that it all gets signed over. Mm. So, that's, But we've not heard anything quite yet. No. Which has been pretty much the saga since the day, the day all this has uh, yeah. been going on. Exactly. But um, I, I know other that... things happening. Just not that one. Yeah. yeah. New, football, new director of football. I was just going to say, new director of football has been announced today, but again, I don't know who it is. Um, Kevin so... Bond. Kevin Bond? Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. <clears throat> That's interesting. Well, That'll that... be old news by the time this goes out. Well, it will be, won't it? Um, well, that's interesting because, of course, Kevin Bond and uh, a certain Mr Harry Redknapp are big pals. And Harry Redknapp was involved in some discussions, wasn't he, with uh, Uglers last last week? He came to a game, I think. Yeah. So uh, that's an interesting one, Kevin Bond, ex Norwich City, ex was he at Manchester City? I think oh. he was, wasn't he? Yeah, Bournemouth as well. Bournemouth. Well, yeah. if if that's if that's correct, I mean, his knowledge of uh, and his contacts should, should be really quite high. And uh, I don't know where he's I don't know where he's been, uh, whether he's been coaching or where he's been. For the past sort of ten years, but um, certainly vastly uh, knowledgeable. Um, so, a very interesting um, news. Yeah, it is. But and, and I mean, I think your point about the uh, the contacts in particular, um, because let's face it, if you've got someone that's got good contacts, and I remember when Skivo was uh, manager and he got all those those Spurs players. I mean, we had about four or five, didn't we? Uh, Andros Townsend. Stephen Corker, Ryan Mason. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. just goes to show if you've got the contacts, it's very well much easier to get the to get the players in because right now we need the players, don't we? I mean, what do you think about that, Paul? Well, we, we certainly do need players. I just think that uh, at the moment, um, the, you know, the, the the quality that that I saw on Saturday uh, was from the new players. I was a, I was a little bit. Be honest, my personal opinion, a little bit disappointed. Mm. You know, I think that um, uh, Freckleton, I wasn't sure where he was playing. He started off in midfield and then dropped too deep for me 
and then the second half he seemed to be playing in the left back position. So I wasn't really sure what what he was what he was doing. Um, the other players that came on, um, I, I, I was was didn't think really made an impact. And I'll be honest with you, as I was expecting a lot more. Um, whether you know, listen, it's the first game; they haven't been at the club very long, so we've got to give them time to bed in. Um, but in our initial, um, you know, big crowd there, really, really buzzing. Um, and I feel that they were a little bit let, let down on Saturday. That was a well below par performance. And um, I was expecting a little bit more from the new guys, I've got to admit. Mm. Mm. I mean, I've listened to the manager seemed extremely down downbeat when uh, he did his post-match interview. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't really sort of come up with any any thrilling news or any any sort of excuses exactly. But, I mean, it certainly, you saw it. It wasn't the best of performances, that's for certain. Rick, you were there as no. well. Go on, Thorpe, finish your point. No, I just think, I think it's the, the fact of the matter is that the um, I don't think he had a lot of input in the players coming in. So that was, uh, that's probably why he's a, he's a little bit low at the moment. I think that uh, I'm very much old school uh, where... Uh, the manager has, has a lot of input in into where the players are coming in, but in modern day football is you know is slightly different, and um, you have directors of football and this that and the other, and uh, sometimes these players can just turn up and you have to deal with it because your your name is a coach and not a manager. You know I like to think as managers actually in, in my day were running the whole club, and um, and that meant that the the players that came in were there. Their their signings because ultimately when you get the sack you want to be sacked for for the you know the, the players that you've actually brought to the club um, and not not for somebody else to dictate who you who you actually get in but um, you know um, you know I feel for Mark he's in a difficult situation he's a really really nice fella and um, and I actually had the chance to to have a quick chat with him on Saturday and um, um, it was an interesting conversation yeah and of course. Yeah. Um, Josh Dalton, the captain, uh, he also did a post-match interview and, and he was uh, particularly uh, down as well, I thought. He, he certainly admitted that the first five minutes he thought they were you know, all over the place and, and just couldn't get together with, with anything. And, and it, it seems as though it's carried on. And I won't say exactly he questions the commitment exactly, but you know, he's, he's certainly asking the players to sort of, you know, come on, boys, you've got to show us now. We've got eight games left or seven games, whatever it is. And, you know, we need we need total commitment for the for the cause, really. The thing with Josh is the fact that that's what you get from him. You know you're going to get yeah. that 100% yeah. from him. Yeah. So he's going to look round at anybody else in the, in the dressing room, whether they be new or a, an established player, and he's going to expect the same thing at least. Hmm. From them, I mean, look at looking at the. I was I was there, sat between Thorpe and Hilda on on Saturday, which is which is a Thorpe wonderful between place. Between two roses, I was, I was. It was a wonderful. <laughs> pl- I can thoroughly recommend it as a place to watch football. I tell you, but um, Yeovil didn't look like a team that had just put a little bit of a run together and and had a bit of momentum. They just looked like eleven strangers chucked together onto a field and and asked to. Uh, to, to make something of it. And I think that we were talking about it during the game and the two players that came out of that with the most credit were probably Lawson Diath and Matt Worthington mm. because they weren't uh, there and they yeah. they looked, their absence was really, really noticeable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you, you just go jump, jumping in, when you look at the performance that they, they had against Notts County, uh, not, not all wins, but the performances, you know, yeah. Woking, Chesterfield, they were in Barnett, the game, Eastleigh, Outstanding performances, and um, you know Bromley was a very, very below par performance. You know, I know that there is a couple which we won't talk about, but there's a couple of things happening behind the scenes, and a few of the players are a little bit disgruntled. But it is it's very important that that the players themselves um, remember what Yeovil Town is all about. And if the new players don't know, then then they ought to be told and. You know, I know that Josh was during the game. He was trying to motivate the players, you know, being quite vocal in certainly in the second half as well. And um, but it's really, really important for this football club to stay at this level of football because if we go down, you know, it's a it's a really, really tough league, you know, to get out of. And um, 
you know, and it's not a done deal that we just bounce straight back up again. And uh, we don't want to be lost in the doldrums, you know, because the financial, you know, uh, the, the financial side of it is is, is grueling. You know, it's a hard and uh, very expensive to run football clubs nowadays. And also there's that impact of whether we actually stay full-time or whether we go back to part-time as well. And I'd very much like to see Yeovil Town stay a full-time club. Well, what's the vibe? Uh, look, look at that performance. Just one last thing, Ace, before we move on. Yeah. Just that, I don't, don't want to go on about it too much because it was ultimately, I think everybody knows, it's a disappointing performance on Saturday. But do you not think that was the most comfortable 1-0 victory? that a team mm. could possibly have. Because Bromley, Bromley could have scored five or six without any exaggeration. Yeah. And you always felt if Yeovil did manage to get back in the game, there were two. Bromley could just step up step up a gear and, and see them off again. Yeah, it did look like a very much like a relegation uh, a, a team or, you know, a team that's really, really fighting. No, normally you get that. that uh, when I was sort of down there, when I came to Yeovil first, we were in the, right in the doldrums and... Uh, you know, we actually kept it going till about two games at the end of the season. But it was a difference because we were battering sides and not getting that type of luck that you required. And yeah. and then they would sort of like, you know, I remember once a shot came across it, the guy's knee went and span into the far corner in the 92nd minute. You know, and those type of things really go, go against you when you're, you're fighting for your lives. And But the, the, the body, for me, the body language... And, you know, I've talked about body language in the past and it, 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 to me it shows out. And I thought the body language um, from certain players um, wasn't wasn't good on Saturday. And that, that, that to me, where the performances have been superb, and like you say, Mr. Lawson Diaz and Matty Worthington, that showed out huge. Tom oh, yeah. Port, blessing Cooper in the midfield, was almost isolated on his own, trying to run it. And even even in the second half, he's you know he, he was the one trying those diagonal balls that were nearly coming off, and you know I, I thought he came out with immense immense credit um, on, on Saturday because he looked like he was really up for the fight as well. And um, uh, but uh, I don't know, Adam, what did you what did you think? Did you see any of it? I watched the highlights. Um, the overwhelming feeling is exactly what you guys have described: is the fact that in other games. We've looked like we could get in back into it. We we've looked yeah. like, you know, bad luck has hit us probably more than more than most this season. That's fine, <clears throat> that happens. Excuse me, but this this today was simply not one of those. It was that we we looked devoid of ideas. Um, there was no real ambition, and from what I can see from um, news coverage of the game and things like that, there was about two or three that covered them in glory. Charlie Cooper standed out. Um, and Grant Smith and Josh Staunton, as we mm. always come to expect, because yeah. um, simply put, this this club would have been relegated three months ago without those two. Um, yeah. I think mean, that's that's fairly obvious. Um, I think the the connection to the club is something that's really quite concerning, particularly because it's come up a lot in the last couple of weeks. You only have to look every twenty minutes on social media, and Matt Oogler is talking about how much he cares about the club, which is great, but you know. The players aren't in it for that. The, the, most of those, and that's, I think that's been a common trend every time Yeovil have gone down in the last 10 years. We, we can, everyone can recall the teams that pushed for a promotion out of the conference, out of League Two, out of League One, probably off by heart without any real trouble, because these were players that understood Yeovil, that cared about the club and didn't just see it as a as a cheap or a straightforward move or a loan move to get back at the table. I, I regularly joke uh, with friends of mine that if you want to have a half-decent championship career, you have to have spent a year on loan at Yeovil at some point because most of the championship probably has been on Yeovil at some stage. Yeah. And that often coincides with when we've gone straight back down. So when we went out of League 1 and when we went out of League 2, they weren't here for the club. and I'm And I'm starting to fear that a lot of those players in that squad are also treating it as such. And all it does is it makes people like Josh Staunton, people like Grant Smith, uh, Worthington, uh, even Alex Fisher to an extent, who's been brought in a lot of criticism last match. They do understand. And, and, and it's those types of people that eventually, hopefully, will get us over the line. We're a better squad than the likes of Gateshead, so we probably stand a pretty good chance there, even if the table suggests otherwise. But... Um, 
yeah, disappointing and will need time to reset. Uh, part of me thinks whether going down to the National League South actually could be a good thing as a potential hard reset. Um, <clears throat> ownership aren't going anywhere uh, by the sounds of it. You know, they, they've got the money that they're willing to push in. A lot of the signings they've made are arguably of National League South quality. Um, someone like Scott Pollock was, I think, something like second or third top scorer from midfield prior to coming to the club. So maybe we stand at a good chance there. Um, it's going to be an interesting one over the next couple of weeks. I sincerely hope we don't go down. I'm absolutely sick to death of seeing us getting relegated. But mm. it's it's maybe maybe this is what it needs. Maybe maybe there is something that's so fundamentally a huge change. I'm I'm also quite concerned about the relationship between the board and Cooper because I every interview I've listened to, either from Mark Cooper or from Matt Udler, suggest that alignment isn't quite there yet. That's not to say it won't be there and that he needs... Mark Cooper clearly needs some influence in the transfers. It's fairly obvious he's had no influence at the moment. Um, Thorpe, I can sort of agree with you by saying that, you know, managers of yesteryear were all controlling uh, and football has moved away from that. And as someone who works in professional sport and providing sports services outside of being within a club... Obviously, I'm going to say that you need outside help sometimes, but there has to be a conversation. And at the mm. moment, there doesn't appear to be one. So nah. let's hope they can start yeah. to converse and and we will get something from it. It's still got plenty of games to turn it around. It's going to be tight. We're all going to be very stressed for the next couple of months. Mm. But I, there's been other times and there's been other times we've been relegated in the last 10 years when it's looked obvious that we're going down and we've looked really naff. And this isn't one of them, albeit the one game against Bromley has suggested it's, we it are seems, where we are for a reason. It seems to me, though, that uh, it, it's disappointing that they, 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 they've... OK, they've put their money where their mouth is, they've brought some players in, but too many of them seem to be of, of marginal fitness at the moment. Um, you know, this, this Callum Harriet, uh, um, he's he's gone off... Uh, strain something or other, hamstring or whatever. Um, you know, Zanza apparently is not fit to go. Rio Griffiths came in and he wasn't ready to go. It, you know, if you're going to get players in that are going to help you, you at least lead them to be fit. And, and it, but I, I think, I think we highlighted this the other day, um, and Mark Cooper brought it up as well. Particularly when before we had any strikers, I think it was after the York game, when he came out and said, "Well, no one that's got any fit players that are any good are going to give them to us." Yeah. So we're having to take off cuts that are uh, are around. Um, it sort of leads into the point of whether we just need to hold out until next season when they are back fit. But also, part of me thinks I thought it was a I thought it was an unwritten rule in every contract that at some point you have to be majorly injured at Yeovil at some stage because we've never hmm. had a player fully fit at any point probably ever. <laughs> That's a bit. But simple. then you got somebody. You got somebody like Josh there who's who's getting inject the drawing fluid from his knee before the game he's getting injected with a, a painkiller and he's turning out performance after performance after performance you know the, the lad's got one huge backbone and that's what we need at the moment we yeah. need sometimes it's probably better to stick with the players you've got than going out and getting these injured players that might might just uh, you might get sort of three or four games out of them before the end of the season to me that's, that's that's not good that's not good management from the from the board if you know what I mean because they're ultimately the ones that brought these players in. And that's bit, look, looked a little bit desperate for, for my liking. Mm. But, I mean, it's, a word for the supporters, though, I think. Uh, <clears throat> support, all right, the board have put their hand in their pocket and, and reduced the prices. But at least the supporters have, have, have grasped that and said, yeah, we're going to get there and get behind the team. And it's a little bit of a kick in the teeth for them in that the team, as it turned out, couldn't really sort of do much for them when there was a, a huge, well, by our standards, a, a pretty good crowd on Saturday. Well, how, yeah. how many of those are going to turn around and say, I really enjoyed what I saw Saturday. I'd like to go back and watch that again. Yeah, Not very right. many, I wouldn't have thought. No. No. I think, I think it, it could, it actually arguably could do more harm than, than good. Um, anecdotally, my first game to watch Yeovil was back in 2008. It was a three-all draw against Norwich City. Um, mm. We scored in the 92nd minute. Now, I'm pretty convinced that if that had ended up being, as people had expected, a routine 2-0 win to Norwich, I'm not entirely sure I'd be as passionate about football as I am today. Yeah. 
because yeah. because you sit there as an eight-year-old and suddenly go, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in yeah. all of my life. Yeah. And, 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 and probably everyone has their own version of that story. But if your first time coming down to Yeovil after umming and ahhing for many, many months is to see a subpar performance against Bromley in the non-league fighting for fighting for relegation, you do you can't help but sit there and go, even if it is a tenor, do I really want to be doing that again? Mm. Yeah. But then you can't fault the um off the field guys for what they've done. They put the they put the build up in, they put the effort in, and it just fell flat. Yeah. Yeah. We we might be overhyping it because you rightly said we you know we we've been in a good run of form we we've picked up yeah. some decent results against good sides, but at the end of the day we're a releg we're a relegation threatened side and eventually we're we're going to look disappointing at some points during the season. So who's not to say that next game it's going to completely change and we will sit here and go aren't we wonderful because we've won three nil? I mean if Darby uh, be, um... be on the telly as well, so that'll be a good one to win. If um, Dagenham and Redbridge hadn't scored in the last minute, um, Torquay would have at least got a point, and who knows how that would have affected it all. But um, well, that's the thing. Results results went against us as well, didn't it? With Gateshead getting a yeah, Gateshead won, Dorking won, Dorking won. All the teams that we didn't want to win, yeah, picked up points on Saturday, so that doesn't help. Well, the I Gateshead think, game is looking massive. I think all we can say is, lads, if you're listening, we're with you all the way. But come on, you know, give us the support, give us the Give us the quality out there on the pitch because we don't want to see Oval Town go down. It would be an absolute disaster if they went down again. And as, as Adam yeah. said, we've had too many um, relegations in the last few years. And, you know, re when you look back and you go right back to when we were in the in the championship, you know, we didn't have the luck in the championship. A bit of luck in the championship and we might well have stayed up, but we didn't. Yeah. And then the next yeah. year, we, we you know, down again. It, 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 it almost becomes a habit now, and it, and somewhere along the line they've got to they've got to break that sequence. And and at the moment it's down to these guys that are at the club. And I'm sure with Josh Staunton there, um, you know, pushing all he can to get the best performances out of the team, we've got a good chance. Well, you you, you take the next game against his home to to Southend, and um, you know our three valleys will be there commentating as always. Um, but it, it's 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 a really important game in many respects because one. It's on the TV. Two, if players are looking to, to get away, that's a platform where they want to perform because it's yeah. on the TV and it, you know, and people will be watching it from all areas. You know, whether they can get to the game or scouting will be watching that game for sure. So that that it, it, it's a it's a big game in many respects, and um, it'll give hopefully Yeovil Town a chance to bounce back. I do think it is a must-win game. Um, it's, a, it's like that cup final thing, you know, because you know soon we got. I think it's Dorking, isn't it? You know, and um, Gateshead have got two games. You know, we've got two games uh, in hand on on us. So one, um, of them, one of them's against us. Yeah, Gateshead on the fourth. April. Yeah, absolutely on the fourth. So um, so effectively, you know, they that's, haven't really got a, two games in hand on us. If one of them's against us, as it were, or no, two uh, games, the one against us. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we've filled it with a lot of um, bad news over the last twenty minutes. But on the flip side, Southend have lost the last six in a row. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, if we'd like to win seven, like that. that'd be great. I don't like yeah, that, that would sort be of great. sequence because that... you know you're thinking six on a row. Well, they're surely they're going to win a one. <laughs> That's the last thing you want. Well, they've been thinking they've been thinking that since they lost three in a row, then four in a row, then five in a row. Yeah. They've been wrong every time. So, so, they're, they're so they're, well. listen, a bad a bad run is a bad run, and and uh, it's sometimes very difficult to get out of it. And uh, you know, because you always want that extra touch, and that, that 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 sort of slows the play down. You know, I think the message for me in training would be, you know, let's move the ball around a lot quicker. I say it so many times, uh, but it was so evident on Saturday that the. Um, you know, the pace of the game needed to be picked up. And the accuracy of the passing needed to be a lot better as well, um, which really, really disappointed me, especially that that final pass was going astray so many times. And, um, you know, the whole quality needs to be a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to uh, a few other topics. Obviously, the, the football world generally has been slightly quieter than usual because of the uh, European situation. Um, England had two games and they've won both of them. Uh, one in particular, a good win against Italy uh, away. Um, what did you boys think about that, um, Adam? What did you did you watch the game? 
I did. Um, I was actually really impressed with it. Uh, first time England have won in Italy since 1961, yeah. which is quite impressive. Um, I, I was actually really quite impressed with the performance. We played the side, uh, the, the, the England team that I think we should be playing. Uh, aside from perhaps Marcus Rashford, would have liked to have seen him in there, but he's come in for a lot of um, been a lot of discussion about him over the last week. Uh, outside of that, I thought we played really very very well. Uh, Luke Shaw probably shouldn't have got himself sent off. Um, mm. Any other day, probably gets away with it. The ref was quite card happy, but normally when we've watched England sides, when a ref's been quite card happy, we've let it get away from ourselves, and we didn't. We we looked. Not in control, because Italy looked good at times. But we we played as we should have done against a bigger nation and, and came out with a win. So I was very pleased with the match. Yeah. What did you think, Rick? I fell asleep in the second half. <laughs> Literally, honestly, I did. That's not just me not liking international football. I did. I woke up when Luke Shaw got his second uh, yellow and uh, subsequently got sent off. But... Um, as Adam said, we the fact that we didn't buckle in that when the momentum goes against England, very often they crumble and, and throw away a good position. Shame it couldn't have been 3-0 up. Jack Grealish missed a, a decent opportunity mm. to uh, to make yeah. it 3 and the game would have been done and dusted. But job's good and job's done. And then a comfortable win on on Sunday. So uh, move on. Dolphy? Yeah, more of that, really. I, I think that, um, one, we need to start winning big games, uh, you know, like like against the, the big teams, and we're starting to do that. I thought, um, you know, you haven't mentioned Jude Bellingham. I thought he really did control that midfield area. You know, and it's lovely to see a young lad, he is really, really young, playing with such maturity as well. I mean, uh, him, you say, like, Grealish, Saka as well, um, you know, but the, I'm a defender, like so. I, I mean, I thought the defending for the goals were were absolutely shocking. You know, in the second game, uh, the Italian game, I thought that they were resolute. Um, they really showed a, a good professionalism and away performance. And I, I had nothing but praise for them. The, the thing about England, which has been mentioned a few times, and Harry Redknapp said it, is that we seem to do this where we play really, really well in in the build up to the finals, but to me, it's all about it's all about the finals. We've got yeah. to change our mentality in the finals. We've got to be more ruthless. And again, I think the pace of our game needs to be increased because I don't think you know we talk about the global product and you know the Premiership and the reason why players don't like coming to it or they want to come to it, but they find it hard. And it's because of the pace of the game. And I think if we um, stop trying to not concede and be a little bit more resolute in our, our attacking and you know I think if we just go out there and say right we are one of the best sides in the world we've got the players like Jude Bellingham and, and, and all the rest of them Saka you know uh, and, and a few others that, that can really open up sides so we should play with that confidence and that freedom knowing that we've got half decent defence that can can, um, can sort out of the back for us I think I think we're in a really good position with that one because if you compare this qualification campaign to probably any of the last 20 years, um, having someone like Italy, where we sit there and go, oh, well, if we'd lost that, we suddenly don't look like we're in the Euros or it's going to be a lot harder. Normally, we're in the likes of, we're playing the group full of, someone like Ukraine would have been the, the second or the most difficult yeah. opponent we faced. Yeah. Uh, and, and there we were, we went, we disposed of Ukraine as well. You know, they put in a decent performance as you'd expect from Ukraine based on the calibre of their players, but England rightly were better. Having someone like Italy where you sit there and go, ooh, they, they are a cut above and, and still putting in that performance, someone like, you know, players like Jude Bellingham looking truly excellent against major players, probably puts us in a better position to actually be giving up being like, okay, we, we've, we might come off 10 wins from 10, like we usually do in most qualification campaigns, and actually, we might be coming back with confidence that we actually deserve, as opposed to just being like, oh, look at us. We thumped San Marino 8-0 again. Well done us. Like, it's, it, we, we, we might be in a better position as a result for it. It's been nice to have a test in the qualifying, as you say. Yes, exactly. Than, you know, because normally we've qualified after three games. You know, it's a foregone conclusion. But this time, like you say, playing against the team, the hardest fixture away at Italy. We haven't done it for 
for a while, like Adam said, and to come away with that win, however the team performed in the second half, is uh, is obviously a good result. And saying about Jude Bellingham, a couple of points about him. One, it's a bit concerning that strapping on his knee, how much football yeah. was allowed to 19 yeah. play. But mm. also, the fact that the highest compliment I think I could possibly pay him is he, he looked like a young Brian Robson. And if he turns out to be half the player that Brian Robson was, then uh, he's got a great future ahead of him. I think Saka well, got... is the other one that you want to look at. I mean, Saka, to me, uh, without my Manchester United gear on, he looks a quality player and he gets better every game I've seen him play. You know, he's scoring, and he does it in big games as well. Yeah, and he's scoring yeah. goals to go with with his general overall play. He looks he looks to be. A, I mean, if if any one reason enables Arsenal to win the league, I would have thought Saka's going to be one huge contributor to that because he's, he's well, he has been so far, hasn't he? In their run, so it's, it's mostly been his his contribution that's been yeah. built up and built on. You know, we might be looking so, slightly far ahead, but Euro twenty four. Having Rashford, Kane, and Saka as a front three—that is—that's yeah. very exciting. Tasty, very isn't exciting. It? Yeah, like that. Yeah, I think as well. When we look at the next fixtures, we got Malta. I mean, you know, really, we should we should be beating them with our third or fourth side. Um, you know, even the non-league side. Games, should... those games are in the middle of the summer, aren't they? Yeah, the sixteenth of June is the Malta. Um, you probably away. find that it will be a third string. Uh, well, I, I think it's it's a great opportunity, you know. Yeah. Like Ivan Tony, you know, should get a full yeah. ninety minutes. Give, you know, Bellingham should get that rest from his look after his knee. You know, give the fringe players um, a chance to experience international football well, against Madison the lesser nations. Madison, so, yeah, yeah, I was going to say worthy of another run out. Absolutely, change the keeper. You know, give somebody else a you know a little um, oh, a little run out and. Do you know what I mean? And 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 really, really, just give the squad that in, because that's going to be really important. And uh, you know, to come out and play for England at any level is is phenomenal. To have an international team, even against the likes of Malta, is really just as important that we get the win, but also important to give uh, these, these these guys a taste of what international football is about. Connor Cody could get it on, and again against North Ma- North Macedonia is a different kettle of fish. I actually think they've pulled out a few fantastic results in the past. But in, uh, at Wembley, you know, that should also be a game where we can have a little mixture of, um, of, of, of uh, experience as well as, as youth as well. And, um, and then we got, again, what I think is the big one is uh, Ukraine away. And by then we should hopefully be already mm. done and dusted. Um, talking about Rashford, I mean, there seems to have been a lot of sort of questions, that, you know, because he went to New York, but... If the guy's injured, surely he's injured. And does, is it such a, a crime to go to New York while he's recuperating? I don't know. Oh, he's, a, he's a social media target because if you remember the, uh, the, the, the game that we won't mention at Anfield quite recently, mm. he was criticised for going shopping in his Lamborghini during the week after that game. I mean, what's the bloke supposed to do? Yeah. Life doesn't he's... stop because, because of things that happen on a football field. The, the best yeah. way to describe it I think, and the only word you can really describe it as is pathetic. Yeah. In terms of just the complete unnecessary need for it. Parts of parts of the media have been feeding off England for many, many years uh, and various players. And suddenly we've got a half decent squad of very, very reasonable people. And suddenly it's now a bad thing to be feeding uh, starving children instead mm. of kicking a ball about on a green piece of grass. Mm. That That's the level they've reached. So quite frankly, any criticism of him about things like this seem really pointless. Yeah. And the other thing that struck me too was that um, Gareth Southgate has persisted in picking Harry Maguire and he's persisted in picking Kevin Phillips, which I find a little bit strange. I mean, uh, we... Kevin Phillips, has he come out of retirement? What's his name then? Do you mean, do you mean Calvin? Calvin, Calvin. Oh, Calvin, well, hmm. close. You've got to give me the benefit of the doubt there. Ex-Sunderland striker Kevin Phillips. He's yeah, doing well. He's yeah, yeah. Be <laughs> but, but, you know, it just makes you wonder if the, what's the thinking behind those two? This is, Adrian, the thing about that is this is the manager that said he was going to pick on form. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you must have game time. Well, you know, I mean, all right, I suppose you could say Harry Maguire's had a couple of games recently, but he'd hardly he's hardly been sort of playing every game, has he? 
Um, it's the, the argument made normally is the fact that obviously they don't get very long with the squads to actually make them play in a particular tactic or a particular style. And therefore picking players that he's relied on for the last one or two years, regardless of club form, sometimes can have its benefits. That's the usually the argument made. However, you are you should be picked for England because you are the best of your class. Mm-hmm. And you can't be the best of your class if you've played 80 minutes all season. Uh, that being said, he looked right against England. This is Calvin Phillips, this is. Um, he looked better against Italy, sorry. But um, I think we, we will never find an international manager that will pick solely on form. Mm-hmm. And that's not a Gareth Southgate problem. That's a that's a England manager problem. But if you're if you're James Ward Prowse and you look at Calvin Phillips playing twenty minutes of Premier League football and he's got a place in the England team and you can't get one, it's, it's not then when. Yeah, oh, make- he's exactly. I think he, that's a system thing more than anything, won't it? Because yeah, because you if you Ward Prowse should be sitting there going, well, the position I'd be most appropriate for him is is uh, where Drew Bellingham's playing, and as much as I love James Ward Prowse, I'm not having him over Bellingham. So. No. You know, it's it, it's it's really difficult. It's so people like Mason Mount, I think, are another one that will be feeling a bit hard done by here, because he wasn't picked because he hasn't been in the side, and yet Calvin Phillips has gone and things like that. So there's, yeah. there might be people like that that will feel slightly more aggrieved. Um, Walprouse just, I think, unfortunately, really needs to find a Scottish grandmother or something. Late <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the day for that, isn't it? Yeah. Well. Um... One other thing on the international front before we move on. Um, I see Ronaldo's got another two or three goals. Uh, just how long is he going to go on? I mean, all right, I know it was only against Luxembourg and uh, who was the other one? Well, I, think I, I think I saw a stat about this. His, these last 10 goals for Portugal, eight of them have been against Luxembourg. Oh, they, hey, really? Uh, is that yeah. funny? Yeah. But, <laughs> over, you know, over a couple of campaigns, but yeah. I mean, you know, and he's, he's, he's still scoring in the Saudi Arabian League, if that's what it's called. Um, okay, one would expect him to do that, but uh, and I guess one would expect him to score against Luxembourg as well. But it just makes you wonder. I mean, we've got a new manager of Portugal now who's picked him. So it's not like uh, I, I would have personally expected that, that Roberto Martinez wouldn't have picked him and started afresh because he's, he's taken up a place that somebody else could have taken, but doesn't seem to be the case, does it? I, I I don't know. I think that that experience in the team is uh, you know you can't you can't knock him. He's, if he's still banging in the goals, um, no matter where he's playing in the world, I think he's, he's kept his standards nice. He's, he's probably one of the fittest thirty-seven year olds around, um, and I, I think that Martinez wants to probably bed him in and probably give him part of a part of the uh, managerial team in the future. Like so, why would you not? want that experience and uh it's it's about managing his his um what's ego. the word ego is it ego yeah really because um you know he's, you've seen him on the sidelines with the old manager shouting at the players and uh so it's just about managing that um that that part of it um but um if he wants to play why would you not pick him i mean what a talent he's still got it um so i think he's probably going to still play Because we we ought to mention Wales as well. Um, you know, I've got a bit of Welsh blood, and I know Thorpey has um, a great result really against Croatia to get a, a, a way draw over there. I thought anyway. I don't know what you thought, Thorpey. Oh, I think it's an absolutely fantastic uh, result, and um, you know, for for somebody like Broadhurst, uh, Broadhead, sorry, to score um, coming into the side, uh, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I thought. You know, staying in, that just goes to show about people trying to stay in the game. And, uh, you know, they, they had to really dig deep. Um, and there were some fantastic uh, performances. Um, I thought it was a magnificent. I was, I was jump, jumping for joy when he went and scored. Um, so what, what a fantastic start for their campaign. And um, hopefully they can um, take that to the next level and get some decent points on the board. And, of course, um uh, Luka Modric again stood out. Oh. I mean, you know, how old is he now? He, he's well into his thirties, isn't, isn't he? Yeah, and he looked he looked quality again, absolute quality. I thought. 
I just thought there was some fantastic performance here. Yeah, Modric is, I mean, like, he's just a class player, isn't he? And uh, but Perisic, but the, the the Welsh team really, really like worked hard. I mean, like some Ampidu really showed up. I thought, I thought the Roden at the back, yeah, Mefum uh, Mef- as well. Co- I mean, the old Yeovil Town lad, you know, Connor Roberts. What a fantastic performance he did, and um, you know, and Kiefer Moore just put himself about, and uh, as he as he does. They seem to, to like him. I still think he's got a little bit more to to learn about the game, um, but no better person than Aaron Ramsey behind him to actually like uh, talk him through it and um, get that valuable experience. But um, I, I I I just thought that the work rate that they put in defensively to stay in the game and then they got the reward right at the very end. It was a classic away performance for me. And and two ex Yeovil players very much to the fore. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I said like you know, Kiefer Moore and Connor Roberts. You know, uh, really, you know, <laughs> they they talk about Kiefer when you hear about Keane saying you know they need a presence up front. Bring Kiefer Moore on. I mean, it's like oh, wow, it's just huge, isn't it? Like, yeah. And um, I think the consistency of Connor Roberts, I think over the last sort of five years, really, I think he's he's, he's become a real top professional. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They should follow that up, shouldn't they? On on Wednesday, they got Latvia. Yeah, yeah you got, should do yeah. Four, four yeah. First two games. That's, that's that's a good start. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, moving on, uh, Paul, you're an ex-professional. Um, yeah. Did you see the tackle by Rodri on Odegaard? And if you did, what's your thoughts on it? Because it's a bit of a coincidence that. Uh, it's the two uh, two players from the two leading contenders to win the championship, to win the uh, league. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I didn't see it. No, um, but it, it, listen, if it's a bad tackle, I mean, they got the referees on there to that. The fact that it's um, like like you say, come against um, you know two of the runners of the championship. I'm not sure whether that really plays on their mind. Um, Odegaard's Is that a fantastic conspiracy player. theory too far. It is, it is a bit of a conspiracy theory, isn't it? And, yeah. Um, but um, listen, <laughs> these bad tackles are, you know, with, with the VAR now, if they're deemed to be bad enough, then they'll get it'll get the due card, um, you know, uh, instead of a yellow, it would be a red, wouldn't it? So if, they, if, they, if it's a big, big mistake and they feel that it's something the referee should now look at, then um, they've got that opportunity to have, to have a second look and change that card from a yellow to a red. But you know, you, you wonder though. I mean, if if Arsenal were to miss out, um, I mean, I don't know if he's out at all. You know, he's obviously injured. But whether he's going to be injured enough to to miss games, I don't know. But but if he was to miss games, mm. I mean, you can imagine the cons- conspiracy theories then, can't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. Rodri absolutely. I mean, let, let, let's be fair. He's been one of their top players this year in the Odegaard. He's been yeah. absolutely fantastic. And you've got. To be- you got to remember that they, you know, the, the, the referee also um, uh, admitted that he missed that uh, Brentford goal. So they're also two points down as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can. It, it just it just begs the question. That's all. But I mean, and and again, you know, I did. did I don't even know if, if VAR was there and if they did actually look at it. But uh, um, you know, I, I he's been putting himself about a bit lately, though, Rodri. If you look at. Look at some of the international games and and City's games. He's, he, you know, he's certainly, um, you know, he's doing. Hmm. He's, he's. I won't say he, dirty, he, but he's getting along that route. He's picked up a few cards, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> of different colours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, that conspiracy theory you started there might uh, <laughs> get the people talking in the pubs. Well, you know, <laughs> if, he gets, if he does get. Um, Suspended from the English game at all because of his behaviour, that will give Kevin Phillips a chance to get a game. <laughs> oh yeah, good old Kevin. Yeah, yeah. This is this is true, Rick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, Kevin would be very pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I suppose the other com- conversation point we ought to be looking at now is um, good old Mister uh, Conte, Antonio Conte at uh, Tottenham. Um, what do we think? I mean, he's gone. Good riddance. Ah, uh-huh. generally from the game, or specifically from that job? I think I, I would argue generally from the game because I would I would sit here and go, oh, you know, 
they've, they've got a good points tally from him. He got them back in the Champions League. It's great. But Antonio Conte has done exactly what Antonio Conte does and has yeah. done for the last yeah. five different jobs he's been there. He's been yeah. there for about two years. He's looked really effective. He spent quite a lot of money. He threw his toys out the pram. He's been sacked. And that and the, and the circle continues because he did it at Juve. He did it at Inter Milan. He did it at Chelsea. So I'm not really that surprised. Um, not that I ever give Daniel Levy much credit. But in fairness to him, when something isn't going very well um, from a from a business perspective, he's very quick to to uh, to uh, eradicate it very very quickly. Um, I can't say I'm surprised. It's not like they've you know they've had him for the last couple of weeks. Obviously, for different reasons, and it'd be harsh to have a go at Conte for that. He has been very ill, but to fly off the handle like that and effectively call the whole institution into question, yeah, he's got to go. Mm. And and what are, what are our thoughts on what Mr Levy's thinking, having to uh, uh, fire the shot and then hand out a cheque for upwards of £3 million to, to get rid of him? I mean, I know contracts are contracts, but my God, it yeah. it must go against the grain having to put up with a situation like that and then have to give him £3 million. The argument, the argument to be made would be if, if they kept Conte with his, um, his strong influence and results continue to be quite poor, and they miss out on the top four, that is a lot more money lost out than three million. The, the opportunity cost of, let's pay three million to get rid of him now, versus the potential loss of what is the best part of a hundred million pound, it makes a lot of sense to get rid of him. Well, even yeah. even even with the paycheck, as much as it, um, he probably had to write it with uh, through gritted teeth. But then you're assuming that they're going to stay in fourth place. Absolutely, but I think given given how they've been, um, I think you stand a greater chance without him than you do with him. Mm, that's an interesting thought because I, I well I don't know I don't know what I, I mean the 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 uh, assistant manager who's taken over certainly seems quite a reasonable sort of bloke from what I've seen on the TV and that's all I'm going by. Um, but whether he has got the the necessary clout, the necessary influence persuasiveness or not to to turn it around with with eight games to go to make sure they stay there i don't know i don't know be I, think, to see. I think there'll actually be quite a lot of reliance on ryan mason yeah. who who of course is um has a yeovil connection um if anyone hasn't listened to it, not that i would ever recommend too many other podcasts that didn't involve three valleys radio but there is there is one called the high performance podcast which is presented by uh, jake humphreys of bt sport and he does a very um, Ryan Mason was actually recently on one of those talking about his career. Obviously, um, had to end his uh, football career uh, prematurely due to a horrible brain injury when he suffered at Hull. Uh, I always liked him when he played uh, in Yeovil. Did I ever think he'd ever go and play for England like he did? No, probably not. But um, he talked a lot about how he's molding into a coach and how his philosophies. I get behind him. Uh, I'd recommend having a listen to that one. Uh, and I think I think he receives a lot of very good. Um, praise from the Tottenham players themselves. So I think there'll be a mm. lot of reliance on him as much as just um, relying on uh, Mr. Stellini. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, what, what I will say in in, um, in Conti's defence is the one thing that I think that he is correct on is the fact that he talks about the Tottenham way. And the Tottenham way is that they do spend money. The recruitment's not particularly good, um, but the culture isn't good either. And he says they they won't change as a club until they change that culture. And that means that, the, the unfortunately, the, the purse strings have to be relaxed a little bit more. You know, they've I'm... got this amazing state. Sorry, Adam. No, carry on. The reason, I, the reason I'm not sure, uh, Thorby, is that we still live in a footballing world where culture is still heavily influenced by the manager. Um. You think about those that have probably got quite good culture in the Premier League at the moment. You would go to Manchester City. You would go to Arsenal. Uh, and and the other one that you might highlight is the likes of Brentford and Brighton. Now, if you remove yeah. Brentford and Brighton due to... Um, they work under different financial constraints. Um, their, their influence is led by their owner. Uh, they are um, highly data-driven. We've gone into them in detail over podcasts before. But Pep at City and Arteta at Arsenal still set the culture. Uh, they they have wider purse strings, probably. Arteta less so. 
um, probably a similar budget to what's being spent at Tottenham. But they're clearly the ones that people go to when they form that culture. Dobby, you'll remember it of various managers you worked under, those that you, there will be some that you liked and there were some that you didn't like, uh, inevitably. So if if the one that in theory is still defining the culture, that being Conte, is the one calling it all into question, arguably that's a failing on his part more than a failing on the club's part, perhaps. But then yeah. Spurs, you, look, you look at Tottenham's last two managers, they tried to, to shortcut things and go for two proven winners who don't stay at clubs for long and win trophies at their clubs and whatever, and they both both failed. And in a parallel universe somewhere, there was a lot of noise about Conte going to uh, United after instead of Ten Hag. And if I'm not sure if everybody's aware of the fact that Spurs interviewed Ten Hag for their manager's position in 2021, and Daniel Levy t- passed up the opportunity to uh, hire. Eric Ten Hag, because his English wasn't good enough. Hmm. So he's, he's, he's not the best judge of a, of a manager, I don't think, Mr Levy. Well, perhaps not. So who's Mr Levy going to pick to replace Mr Conte? Well, Roy Hodgson's gone. <laughs> yes. Pardew, Pardew's still, uh, I think Pardew's yeah. still lurking. Yeah. But, I mean, what about they this, love this Nagaman they, man? They, that's who they want. Now, now he's, he's lost them. Nagelsmann. Oh, the uh, Bayern Munich? Yeah. Pochettino's available. I don't don't know whether Levy would fall on his sword in such a way, even if Pochettino is probably one of the better shouts. (laughs) I don't know whether whether he'd go back so quickly. He's had to grind grind his teeth, giving out £3 million anyway, so... If you know, if he has to go down on bended knees to get Poch back, he's going to be in the right state, isn't he? The thing is, both Nagelsmann and Pochettino are both hanging around for potentially the Real Madrid job at the end of the season if Ancelotti doesn't continue. Whereas Luis Enrique, who I thought would have been a good shout for United, there's absolutely no chance he'd get the Real Madrid job or want the Real Madrid job. So he might actually be a bit more of a reasonable shout for them. Is he is he not still contracted as the Spain manager? There's well, there's a somebody else, mm. they? Whether he's on gardening leave or what, I don't know. Well, that that's actually a really good point, that one, because depending on the length of what Pochettino's contract was before he got sacked, yeah. there's a very good chance that he's actually still technically on Tottenham's books. Um, because yeah. usually they hand out about five-year contracts. Uh, I don't know how recently he signed them, but he won't have been off the payroll for long. We're just mm-hmm. thinking there's another another job that occurs to me that could quite, quite possibly be up for grabs in the summer is the PSG job. Absolutely. Yeah. That's another one that they might be, you know, are they going to jump into Spurs with their, their history when potentially there's Real Madrid and PSG becoming available in the summer? I think I think Nagelsmann is already ready to go for the PSG job, I would I would probably suggest. I would yeah. have thought he'd be more inclined to go to PSG than Tottenham. You know, I think most people would. Well, yeah, but I mean, you, you're on about this this um, this attitude of uh, Tottenham. If you think back to when Fergie was in charge at United, um, yeah, how often it's a drinking say, culture? It, it? It, yeah, it's it's only Tottenham. You know, he 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 looked upon them with total disdain most of the time, and most of the time he proved it right. I mean, I remember we we played them once three 0 up, and and they lost five three. Well, that was the game that that came. That came from, I think. Was it? I think yeah. it was. Yeah. The halftime talk was basically Fergie went into the change room at halftime, said, "Lads, it's Tottenham," and left. Yeah. It, in I think, in fairness to Tottenham, there that was twenty years ago, and they have won. They have done yeah, quite well, well since then. In fairness what, what to what have they won since that's worth that's worth having. What they won the league cup. They won the league cup, so they're not necessarily won silverware. But I think I always question whether that's actually a very good metric about whether a team's any good or not. Um, mainly. Because the clubs that I seem to support don't seem to win anything, so I, I don't, I don't know. But um, it, shall I throw, it, I'll, I'll throw a name in for you. Go on. Zinedine Zidane. Yeah. I hear his English is absolutely awful. So quite frankly, slash, I don't think he speaks English at all. And I think if Levy's chucking Ten Hag out for that reason, yeah. I don't think we're going to see Zizou in a top. <laughs> well, that's a good point. PSG maybe. 
Um, yeah, he might be a good shout for PSG, but not bad shout, actually. Not not Spurs. We, we've got roughly five minutes left, chaps. Um, I've got one. This is this is definitely your country, Adam. Um, the Everton fair play uh, situation. Can you enlarge a little bit of what the hell is going on up there? <laughs> His face lit up then. Go on, Adam. <laughs> where, where, I don't think, I think I'm going to need slightly longer than five minutes, Eddie. But to try and do the condensed version, yeah. um, they have been reported to the Premier League for potential FFP breaches. Uh, the reported is the key word, because if you read literally anything that's coming out of Everton, they've been like, we've only been accused. We haven't been found guilty yet, which mm. is not exactly the common thing you hear from non-guilty parties um the 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 key overwhelming thing from it is everton have spent an awful lot of money and unlike others when they've spent a lot of money they haven't spent it very well so uh they they have miss arguably misled their uh, their accounts they've lost the best part of 200 million pounds over the last three years mm. which which goes above the uh, the ffp regulations uh you're allowed to lose about 105 over a th- rolling three-year period with a little bit of um a little bit of leeway for for covid um covid costs uh the difference being every other account that i've read that suggests how much a club has lost over the last two years due to covid is around 30 to 50 million pound if you're in oh. the premier league um, Everton are claiming that they lost best part of 150 because rather than it being like things like uh, attendances, obviously they had to play behind closed doors, um, Everton have come up with this clever idea that suggests that, oh no, well, because the transfer market was awful, that's how much money we've lost out on potential sale of players. And there is no will in the world that will ever tell me that Deli Ali being signed for £40 million was ever a good idea. So... Mm. I, I can't help but feel that they will be probably be found guilty for basically spending a lot of money and spending it very, very badly. Um, there is discussion of things like points deductions uh, and all the usual stuff, the same stuff we were talking about with Manchester City no less than a month ago. Um, they will get a slap on the wrist and a nasty fine and everyone will continue on as normal. So you don't see a mm. points deduction at all then? The reason I don't see a points deduction necessarily this season is that it's being it's being sent to an independent commission, which has got a at least one high profile lawyer, a management accountant and someone else that my name uh, escapes me. But um, these types of judicial processes take an awful long time and lawyers will go, no, it should be this. And it will get drawn out, drawn out and drawn out before we know it will be halfway through next season before we even get the remote closest thing to a to a any form of verdict so as a result will we if you're a if you're a southampton fan or a leeds fan who are suddenly going oh that's that's one club already relegated not not this year i'm afraid not gonna happen well the, okay. the man city thing's been going on for over a year already isn't it like, yeah. so if they they can wang it on for as long legally as they want to yeah they can i'm very much on take... about the obviously those most recent allegations mm. um but but they'll keep kicking the can and they'll keep kicking the yeah. can and they'll keep kicking the can because yeah. uh, the simple fact of is each individual club, Man City, Everton, all the things, are far richer than the Premier League as a collective. And as a result, <laughs> they will have better lawyers. And so it will yeah. take forever. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the whole reason City only ever got a slap on the wrist when they blatantly broke the FFP rules uh, in the mid uh, mid to 2010s. And all they did was got a slight ban. Chelsea were the same. Uh, and and that's very much going to be the case. Everton are still rich enough that they'll find a way to get around this. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for your contributions. You've had your five minutes and you 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 made it, I think, just about. So thanks well for that, Adam. Uh, thank thanks, you. Thorpey, for joining us again tonight. My pleasure. And you, My Rick. Pleasure. Cheers for that. Always mate. a pleasure. Um, Rick, tomorrow four o'clock, not two o'clock, right? Okay. I'll speak to you about it anyway. So uh, yeah, that's it then, lads. Thank you very much for joining us. For football, bloody hell.